1: Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary. And April Callahan.
0: So, Dressed listeners, we are fairly certain that some of your hearts did a little bit of a pitter-patter when you read the title for this episode, because yes, it is true. Um, Today is all about what might just be one of, if not the most iconic Explorations of Contemporary Fashion to ever grace a screen near you. And we are, of course, talking about And Just Like That, which is the reboot of Sex and the City, which has only recently aired its final episode of season one just this past week. So, you know, Cass, you know this already because we've talked about it. I, for one, spent a lot of time over the holidays watching the show, both And Just Like That, and also some old episodes of Sex and the City. And I was watching them for context because I knew that I was probably going to be doing this episode episode. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, Cash, you and I have already talked about this. At first, I was a little unsure if we really needed a reboot of Sex and the City at this exact moment in time, because it would be really hard to do a deep dive into the original series without examining the world depicted on screen vis-a-vis, kind of like aspirational consumerism and and white privilege. And I just want to say that I have lived in New York City for 15 years I have worked as a contemporary art gallerist just like Charlotte I've worked as a writer just like Carrie and listeners believe me the reality of living and working in New York City is very different from what you see on the show from where they can afford to live and you know perhaps most germane to our conversation today the clothes that they wear you know really the world of Miss Bradshaw and Friends is a straight up fantasy realm for even those of us who do live in New York.
1: Yes, but one in which so many of us aspire to um, live in and a fantasy that we so willingly participated in, (laughs) in the original show and in this new show. This is something that we actually discussed April before we moved forward with this episode, but... What we did agree upon is that without a doubt, sexnicity, as well as and just like that, has and will continue to shape the future of fashion. The clothes, the accessories could categorically be considered their own character in the franchise without question. Part of the allure, and as you mentioned, fantasy, which drew us all in week by week, undoubtedly one of the best parts of the show. I mean, there's so many fabulous things about the show, but the costuming of the original series brought brand recognition to countless designers like Jimmy Choo, Manola Blahnik, with whom much of the audience perhaps had not been familiar previously.
0: Yeah, and also does, and just like that, in addition to fashion's biggest names, the show also introduces smaller designers from around the globe, and this was very much a concerted effort on the part of today's incredibly talented guests, costume designers Molly Rogers and Danny Santiago, and we are so, so pleased
1: to welcome them to the show. Molly, Danny, welcome. We cannot wait to learn more.
0: Molly, Danny, before we get into your amazing work on And Just Like That, I'm kind of hoping that each of you could tell us a little bit about your background, how you first came to be working in the field of costume design, and also perhaps some of the projects that you've worked on which preceded this production that we're going to talk about today.
2: Yeah, I want to get to know you better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about I think yourself. you know me
2: too well. <laughs> I was raised. In, go ahead. I want to listen to you. Um.
3: Okay. Well, I started doing fashion styling way, way back in the mid 80s. And I started styling here locally in Miami, where I'm from. I'm a Miami native. And I started working with the industry when it first started in the mid 80s. And all the attention was to, you know, Miami Beach and the Art Deco District and Miami Vice, and all that was happening. And there were modeling agencies opening up, and all the Europeans were coming me here to shoot editorials and stuff like Terry Moogler used to come and shoot his campaigns on the towers of Art Deco building.
0: Cass and I literally had to like get on the phone as soon as we found out. And
3: I know. I'm,
0: I'm going to super rush an episode on him like yeah. post haste.
3: Yeah, yeah, very sad. But um, so I, I, you know, I've been here styling and working through the years since then and worked on with every. Publication, magazine, editorial, advertising jobs, TV commercials—you kind of name it. Bring it up to, I don't know, mid up into the 2000s, and then off, and, and and bouncing back and forth between New York and Miami for yeah. all these years. Also, spend half of the year in New York, half the year in Miami, going back and forth. So that's a little bit of my background. And then around 2008, in the early 2008. And I've known Pat and Molly for years, since the late 80s and stuff. We met down here in Miami when they came down. And
2: it I was remember all happening. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you were like MTV, that stuff. Yes,
3: I worked at MTV. I launched the MTV Latino network here in Miami in the early 90s. And I was the costume designer for them. And that was probably my first gig. Doing film or TV type of thing was doing that, was with MTV Latino. And then from there. This whole
2: time he's hoarding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've been collecting this, all this time.
3: <laughs> Don't
0: forget that. That's
2: why we're sitting, yeah. sitting here.
0: <laughs> I have seen images of your warehouse, which I do want to talk <laughs> about later.
3: So, yeah, been hoarding a lot of stuff. And um, anywhere around 2008, I did a, an event, and Pat and Molly came to it. And while the event was going on, Pat mentioned that she got a call, and that they were going. This was after the series had ended, and that it was going to be that they were going to do a movie. And she thought, "Hey, would you be interested in wanting to come and join us?" So um,
2: that show is like a vampire; you need to feed it <laughs> new, you
3: know, blood. Suck the blood out <laughs> of us. Um, so I was very excited and. It happened, you know, and, and I was able to come and join them and I was so happy and grateful. And it was such an amazing experience doing the first movie with them. And we
2: used so much of your stuff, and I, movie one and two. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
3: movie one and two, we did it. And, you know, that's how the whole start with the show and with the girls sort of started, mm-hmm. you know.
2: And then you and I went to Atlanta and did a TV what did we do we did, a pilot? We did or a TV together? pilot
3: with Lee Daniels called um, Star. And then we came back to Miami and then we did, did Ballers. Ballers with Dwayne Johnson.
2: That was when things were would shoot here. We've lost the state um tax
0: incentive. Oh, his suits in that were amazing by the way. I watched that show. So.
3: Yeah. So we we lost all that, all that stuff, and now it goes all into Georgia and Atlanta. As they've become a big film, you know, center and all that because a lot of people just moved up there because it was cheaper to do production and stuff. And yeah. we sort
2: of lost a lot of what was going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of crew had to go to Atlanta, so it's a shame. Florida's such a beautiful place to film a series or yeah. you know, a film. Yeah, yeah. And then honestly, when we thought. That all was said and done after the second movie. We got the call to come and do the reboot. Not, not I don't think you'd call it a reboot, really, because it's it's just a different show with a yeah. different title, but, yeah. you know, a new incarnation or I don't know. So we knew we were going to drag stuff up from Florida and have a stab at it. And it was fun, really fun.
0: Can we just touch back a little bit, Molly, on your background and how you first came to meet Pat? And of course, we're talking about the legendary Pat Field here.
2: We are. I was in a lamp store two days ago with her in Florida, and this kid came out of the back and was like, I'm your number one fan, Pat. (laughs) Pat, I love you. It's so, so great. I am from North Carolina, and I was kind of the black sheep of my family. I graduated from college. I have a degree in psychology, which comes in handy in the fitting room. (laughs) And I went to London to try to figure out what I wanted to do because I was really into music. I was a little punk rocker kind of. And the fashion in London at that time, Boy George, you know, all that stuff. I got really into it. My friend had a rubber clothing store in Ken Market. Like it was just beyond cool for me from North Carolina. And I decided to come back to the States. And I met Pat my first day in New York, which was Friday the 13th, 1984. (laughs) And I went into her store in a paper dress and I had dreadlocks at the time. And she was in there with Mary Paul, who was Madonna's stylist. They were looking at rubber bracelets for Madonna and talking about it and I introduced myself and I told her that I wanted to work there and she was like, well, do you know how to fold t-shirts? And I was like, no, but I can learn. So I started working there that day. I was folding, um, like Basquiat t-shirts and Keith Herring t-shirts that Pat had silk screened. And we have been friends and coworkers since. Mm -hmm. And, It's just been a real ride with her for sure. Amazing the places we've gone together and the things we've done. Most I can't talk about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe offline you can tell me some of those stories, not for the podcast. Um, Exactly, not for mass consumption. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so both of you were very much already kind of immersed in the world of Sex and the City before this new series and the new series for our listeners who maybe haven't watched it quite yet, the new series, um, and just like that, picks up 17 years after the original television series ended and also 11 years after the last Sex and the City movie. For our listeners who maybe have never seen the show, because we have a lot of listeners around the world, how would you characterize each of the lead characters' style overall? And Has that changed in the new series? I already know the answer to that. But of course, as a journalist, I have to ask you that question.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, if we start with the characters, I think, you know, if you're unfamiliar with the show, which I would think everybody would probably know something about the show at this point, but, um, you know, we always say that Charlotte is sort of our uptown Polished. polished mom.
2: I like to use that word because when I say conservative or pretty, yeah. it doesn't really it doesn't, hit. Yeah. She's not
3: conservative. She's just polished. E-
2: yeah. She's you pulled know. together, pussy bow blouses, that kind of, yeah. Little I think that's later, a better, she's
3: always got a cinched way. She's got a very sort of almost like a 1950s type of silhouette in a way to her, like a little Coca-Cola bottle. You know, totally. That kind of vibe. Hourglass. You know, she's always, In the perfect shoe with the perfect bag, with the perfect belt and the perfect hair. You know, she's just very... It's
2: very competitive up there on the Upper East Side. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a pack of wolves, those ladies. And, Mm -hmm. you know,
3: now in all these years, she's a mother now and she's involved in a lot of projects and she's involved with the kids at school and stuff like that. But she still is who she is. She's still Charlotte. She's polished. She's done. She doesn't walk outside the door. And sweats, she's going to, she's going to put herself together to yeah. take the kids to school. She doesn't know.
2: do the drop off in athleisure. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah. She's always done. And then, um, you know, Carrie, who we always sort of say is whimsical. She has her own style. She dresses for herself. She loves fashion. She loves to have fun with fashion. She's a statement she, maker for sure. She's high and low. She wears Everything from vintage to resale to consignment to designer to runway pieces, you name it. She falls in love with it. She's going to wear it and she's going to wear it her way. Right. And then we've got Miranda.
2: Who changed the most, I think, of yeah. all, all three of them. Yeah. Because she's no longer in corporate law. Yeah. Right. She's going back to school at Columbia and her hair is silver. Yeah. I like to say silver instead of gray. Silver is kind of like you got a medal for getting this far. (laughs) Um, And that was fun to play with her because, you know, she was a corporate lawyer in all the other incarnations of the show. And this time she's going to school. So it was just a more relaxed silhouette for her
3: but there's still a tailoring involved to her. I feel like, you know, like, yeah, I think we said with, you know, people I've asked, well, what's a, what would you say is her favorite piece or what would you say coming out of the series? What was a, a main piece of something that she wore? We always say it's a tailored, softer look. It's a softer tailored look to her and definitely pants. She looks great in pants we she love looks her insane in, a pant. in jumpsuits. She looks, oh my God, great uh, there's, in jumpsuits. There's
2: one coming up in the last yeah. finale.
3: And if you haven't she seen, she wore this, like a great jumpsuit when she went to the comedy club. She had that beautiful halter neck. She's got the most amazing neck and shoulders that we love. And it was just great to put her in a pant and something that's easy to wear and tailored, but not it. You know, it always has an ease to it. It always has. She's a Brooklyn mom. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. And I have heard you guys say specifically, and that's kind of what I was just referencing earlier is that you didn't change their style just because they're older, which I really love that. Like you believe firmly that like style is style and it transcends our age group. Like I am 46 now and I don't feel like my style has changed much at all since I was in my 20s. Like, yeah, it's not the 90s anymore. I'm not wearing like low rise jeans like that anymore, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> that
3: was our approach. We never really thought of these women doing anything different than what they know and what they have always been sort of their lane and what they've been attracted to as far as what is in fashion and their style of how they like to wear their fashion and stuff. We feel, you know as you get older, if anything, maybe you refine it a little bit, you know, you, you know, what works and what doesn't work better.
2: Yeah. I don't think you're as experimental when you're 30, you know, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. you know, your, your vibe and right. everybody was asking us before the show aired, what can we expect with the changes of the girls? What are you going to do to bring it into their age group? And the, our answer for that was, well, they are who they are. Yeah. Their, their DNA is so set in stone. Yeah. You know, Pat gave us a roadmap and a highway to travel on. Yeah, mm-hmm. And you just, you don't flip a coin when you hit 50. Yeah, And all of a sudden you're wearing turtlenecks and, you know, cataract glasses.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, for me, if anything, what's changed is my whole collection of vintage has grown.
2: Yeah, I'm sure because you've, your knowledge has yeah. so
0: deeply that it's like you know for reasons of sustainability and also that like that's mainly what I wear these days. So and yeah, I,
3: and I think for everybody and like with our show, one thing that we would always say too is that if anything, they've explored more into fashion and finding more people because of the internet and because of Instagram. We've been able to open the world up more with the designers that we've used. So the girls have been more exposed to designers internationally and globally that maybe aren't the big main designers, but we've been able to bring small designers come in and be able to bring that to part of the girls' looks now. And I feel that's been something that we've really had a lot of fun with because we've explored so many new people and we found so many more people globally with the internet, with Instagram. It was, it was so much fun to do that.
2: The world has changed so much since the last movie, the last movie you got lookbooks, um, maybe in your email, you know, mm-hmm. and you looked at things and you called them back and said, you know, made your request or whatever. Well, that is not the case now. Yeah. You watch a live Couture show well, instantly. You know, uh, on your phone. Yeah. It's just the world is so wide open, which makes you, you have so much, you can, you know, pull handbags from South Africa like Danny did or jewelry, but it also makes things, you know, uh, you need to really go on a hunt for the treasures. Yeah. Do you know? Because yeah. everyone has immediate access to that runway show on their phone.
3: And there's so many craftsmen internationally from all over the world that we can get these beautiful things done now and find these amazing things from all over the place. And it just it enriches, I feel, what we've done and just gives it a more global, you know, connection to everything that we've done, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and also you're including more BIPOC designers, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In in that quest for the best. <laughs>
2: yeah. Not only the – it's just really fun to meet people who are small business owners, small artists, local artists, wherever, not just local New York. Yeah. And it means so much to them to get a piece on the show. They're so like,
3: excited and so much fun, and they can't do enough for you, and they're just so appreciative. its It's been so much fun to do that, really, and expose them to to the world and to the viewers and the fans to know all these new people. Right.
2: Because the show is such a moving fashion magazine, you know, it's just, their kind of big shot. Like you are an ingenue yeah. and it's your
0: screen test. Yeah. You
2: know, yeah. it's really fun.
0: I've been watching your Instagram lives that you guys do. And maybe I'll ask that <laughs> at the end. So, so listeners can maybe tune into your Instagram too. <laughs> But uh, I love the fact that you bring out your costume Bible.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm going to stop dragging that heavy thing around. (laughs) It has, it's like this huge binder and it has all of the pieces with the designer's names. Like you'll go back and you'll reference who that was in that scene, in that one particular piece of an outfit. Like it's, it's, it's awesome.
2: I mean, our wardrobe supervisor was rolling her eyes at us (laughs) that we wanted a paper version. (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, we're old school dinosaurs roam and rule the earth at one point. (laughs) So let me have my little binder. But it's heavy. And, you know, I just like to look at things on paper. Yeah.
0: I'm the same way. I edit on paper when I edit writing. and Oh, right. I read a script on paper,
2: on paper, and that was very difficult to get on this show. You had to get special permission to print a script out because of the heavy-duty espionage. Oh, they didn't want anybody to know anything about the Black event, which is what they called the funeral. Waterworks. And waterworks, which is what they called the shower scene. Yeah. So I had to fight for a paper. And the actresses were the same way. They were like, how do I make my notes? I'm, You know, you're just used to things mm-hmm. and how you prepare. And we all got paper. Sarah Jessica got us paper script. Yeah.
0: I have read that some of the costumes uh, from Sex and the City were actually repurposed for And Just Like That. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why that sort of stylistic continuity and or maybe some Easter eggs that you planted into the show was important to the story?
2: It was so amazing for us to cherry pick from Sarah Jessica's archive, which she flung the doors wide open and said, have at at it. it.
3: Go at it. It was amazing.
2: And we wanted to treat pieces very carefully and specifically because people looked
0: at them as having seen a long lost friend.
3: Some of the pieces are like characters on the show.
0: I would say fashion is a character on the show for sure. Like.
3: feel it is we do we definitely feel it is but particular pieces like the Roger belt Fendi bag the tutu you know blue, Manolo. the blue Manolos you know those are the fans love those pieces and you know the fact that we could bring those back out and show them again after all these years i don't think that's ever been done before on a show to have that uh-huh. kind of resource to be able to pull from something like that an archive like that
2: it was just amazing
0: And that is because Sarah Jessica kept a lot of the stuff from the original show, right? So she has her own private collection of a lot of those pieces.
2: Yes, she does. And has kept very good care of them and, you know, has a plastic bin of flower brooches. You know, just to have that and say, okay... Let's treat these really like the rare treasures they are, and let's um, set them sporadically where they really have a little moment in the sun. Mm -hmm. It's
3: such a little time capsule that you're opening these things and unzipping the garment bags, and these things are coming back to life again. It's so exciting to go through it all.
2: Like we really had to be involved with the set dressing of both closets you know, it was very important. We were working with people who had not been on the original shows and Sarah Jessica relied on us to tuck things away or put them in a corner of the closet where you could get a glimpse of them and in her and Mr. Big's closet and her um, own closet in the old apartment. So we worked really hard with the set dressers and I even hid some stuff because I was like, I don't want people to see this, this, and this.
3: Right, right. And you don't want to give it all away. You no. Know? You don't want to give it all away. And it's so fun. Like like you said, these Easter eggs, that there could be a scene in the closet going on, but your eye starts to go with, what's on, the, what's on that rack? What's behind her? You know, what is she, what is, what, what's behind her back? Like what, oh, that's that dress from that episode. That's those pair of shoes from this episode. You know, there's, there's so many special little pieces in there. I think it's a lot of fun for people to pick it and try to identify. They know exactly
2: it. where it was used. Mm-hmm. It's insane. That's why I get bored tagging the clothes in the Instagram account because the the fans do it for
0: me. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. They know exactly what they're doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, as a fashion historian, I just want to say that like in episode eight, right? That's where all the racks of her clothes are are out. I'm just like salivating, just (laughs) wanting to be there and like pull everything out to look at it. So yeah. I
2: think that's the most common thing that Danny and I hear. I would love to be a fly on the wall in the fittings. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in the closet. I think people are going to get their wish about some of that. I'll say no more.
0: Okay. (laughs) I get it. There's Technology. Going to some glimpses
2: <laughs> of things.
0: Well, speaking of fittings, I'm hoping that the two of you might tell us a little bit about how, like, the process of bringing all of these looks together. This is a gargantuan effort to bring all these garments and accessories together for the process of styling, and then, of course, ultimately fittings, which is a whole other separate thing. So, would you tell us a little bit about that?
3: we had a great team that worked with us. You know, Molly and I aren't the only ones in the department. There's a whole team that works behind us with, you know, coordinating and getting things in and having things called in from showrooms and processing the shopping. And we have shoppers that go out and do shopping in the stores for us as well, as well as Molly and I do.
2: Half of them aren't speaking to us (laughs) anymore because, you know, for young people that are doing the pickups and returns, It's such a demanding show.
3: They would have like 100 drop offs in a day. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It was insane. It It was,
2: was they were processing like 700 receipts a day or something to a Constantly,
3: constantly going. And that's daily, Monday through Friday, daily happening. It's it's,
2: not for the week.
3: No, it's not at all. But we had an amazing, amazing dressing room that we made in our office, and that was so much fun. And it was such a great place to bring people, and it just created such an amazing energy. And when people walked in, they just sort of forgot about everything that happened. They could have had a horrible day, but when they walked in that office, the music's playing. The you know, we have this amazing mirror, three way mirror that we built. Oh my god! We had, like a, you know, a great couch and just you know it was just so great and homey but glamorous and it just
2: you know normally on a episodic you're going to do 10 episodes get them in the can break it all down you're gone yeah and we knew we wanted to welcome everyone back like it was a high school reunion and we just put in the budget something for this fitting room and it was glamorous and it created an energy yeah. And normally you're in a broom closet with the stand up mirror from yeah. like Kmart or Costco or whatever. Yeah. And this was really fabulous. And I think everyone just it's what they expected it yeah. to be. Yeah. And when fans get a glimpse of it behind the scenes or whatever. Right. It, you know, it does serve its purpose. It was just yeah. such a great place to create. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was almost like its own little boutique or, or not little, but... Oh, for sure. It was <laughs> our
2: own private showroom.
3: Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? And then what we would do is bring in everything you know, that we had gotten and for each character and we sort of put it all on racks and we make like a corral around the dressing room with everything sorted by, you know, what it is, type, you know, pants, tops, blouses, you know, shoe, you know, all the shoes. We bring in tons of shoe racks with shoes and shoes in it and stuff like that. And then when the actors come, we and then we have rack also with all the bags of what episodes we're working on, you know, with scripts and stuff and which ones we're placing outfits with. And then we pull out our favorites and sort of place them where we think would be good. And we want to present that to the actor that we're working with.
2: Some actors, you can preset the episode in front of the tag bags because they're like, hit me. I know you've chosen the best thing out of all you've shot. But with the three girls, we do real rap reviews and they don't want anything to slip past them. It's really collaborative, as you can imagine, but collaborative in a great way.
3: Yeah, it's really positive and it's just a great exchange of like ideas. There's only a
2: few times that Sarah Jessica and Danny would gang up on me (laughs) because I would be like, please don't wear that shoe. They had a name for it, Phyllis. (laughs) And I thought it was the most rotten little dry rot thrift shoe. And Sarah Jessica, you know, gravitates to something like that. I mean, if I it's loved it. if it's shredding, <laughs> and Danny and Sarah Jessica, almost every outfit they would be like Phyllis would be perfect with this, and I would be like, Oh my God, oh, no. please don't wear Phyllis in an exterior. But they won.
3: It was like a little spectator slingback from mm-hmm. the '80s that we loved so much. It was just a.
2: It was, it was cute. Just she so was sweet. It was very therapeutic.
0: Physical therapy in it. yep, she But it's fun therapy. to have those little skirmishes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I'm, it was like a little tug of war antagonism. Yeah. Kind of fun you game. Have defend, <laughs> you have <laughs> to defend why you
2: like it or you don't like it. Yeah. It's a really great dialogue to have.
0: Yeah. That's super awesome. I love that so much. So I just referenced you guys kind of set that up as a boutique. And I want to ask a question about the scene where Seema and Carrie go shopping for their Diwali ensembles. Was that an actual boutique or did you guys set that up? I love that scene so much.
3: That's an actual boutique in Soho on West Broadway.
0: MPK found it. Michael
2: Patrick King found it when he was scouting. Yeah. And knew that an episode was coming up of Diwali. And said, this is where we're going to shoot. We don't have to build it on a
0: stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the stuff is already there. And it's gorgeous.
2: Oh, my God. They have
3: the most amazing fabrics. Oh, my fabric gosh. And the pieces there. You, can ju- you just die, you know.
2: We went to Queens for the rest of the background. And, you know, that, you know, more um,
3: traditional exactly. type of um, clothing. Because that store, Ave is the name of the store. It's very high end. It's, uh, it has all the designers from India that, that you know, that they have there that, you know, they carry a variety of different designers.
2: I would say an outfit there to wear to your pre-wedding party, of which they're mm-hmm. like 12 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm yeah. probably, or is like five grand.
3: To start. Yeah. And they go up from there. I mean, they have beautiful, beautiful. And you look at those embroideries and the textiles and you're just like. It's they're so beautiful.
2: But Sarah Jessica had really wanted to do a flower mohawk. Yeah. And she really wanted to try to do that without offending anyone or whatever people want to say it was, about that. It and was and like so a western
3: Sarah... it was like a western twist, I guess, to it, but we had looked up prior the hairstyles that people wear. Mm-hmm. And it's similar in that way with the flowers and the hair and the braids and stuff. But we just wanted to kind of give it to Carify it. it. What would be that twist? And of course, it would be like punk rock it out, make it a little (laughs) bit more rock, you know? And and we loved it. We you know, Serge Normand, who does the hair, he's so talented and he's so amazing. Oh my gosh. And uh, they got together and they came up with the design of how that that hairstyle was gonna be.
2: Like in between him doing her hair every day, when he had to, he ran off and did Megan Markle's hair. You know, he's that level. <laughs> yeah. Julia Roberts. He's she's so fortunate to have him and nothing's a problem. And his eye is great. Oh it was great gosh. to work and with he's him. He's so
3: collaborative and he's so, you know, he loves to explore and loves ideas. And you can get, you know, oh. talk to
2: him about anything.
3: We're gonna
0: interview him work. for our live. Yeah. Oh, nice. When is that gonna happen?
2: I don't know. I warned him. He was like, <laughs> What? what? <laughs>
0: So the production is going to wrap in, what, one week, two weeks now? I have not watched today's episode, I must admit. I saw it pop up this morning, but I was in the shower. So
3: today and then next Thursday is 10 and that's the last one. That's
0: the season finale. Yeah. I'm very sad to see it go. But while I'm wondering this, and I bet our listeners are also dying to know, what's going to happen with all the clothing and accessories at the end of this production? Like, where do all these gorgeous things end up if they didn't come from Sarah Jessica's archive?
2: Well, we've already wrapped. The New York office is closed. So everything's in storage. The the three girls, uh, per their contract, I think get to keep their clothes if it wasn't loaned. Mm -hmm. Loaned items go back immediately, but it's all in storage. With the props and the set dressing and I don't know what else is over there. Yeah, they
3: break. I mean, they even break down all the apartments and stuff, the walls and everything. It all gets broken down like piece by piece and stored and everything. So if they come back, they can pull everything back out again.
0: Yeah, which was so helpful, obviously, with Sarah Jessica's wardrobe. But Danny, I know that you have your own amazing collection. Will you tell us a little bit about that? I do, I do. I
3: have a I have a warehouse in Miami and um, I've been collecting for probably 40 years at this point. Don't
2: say that. (laughs) It's
3: scary. But I have, you know, it's everything from designer to just beautiful pieces that I fell in love with that don't have a label on it. And you know, I've just collected over the years and throughout my jobs and different things that I've done, I've used it and held it for inspiration and all kinds of stuff, you know, sometimes we reproduce it and, you know, it's always fun to have and to, and to share it with, you know, other people that come in and want to know about it. It's my own private little museum in a way. Oh,
2: it's, it's a real <laughs> delight and it's just amazing. And I know that you took Pat over there for the first time, what, a week ago or yeah, so? Yeah, I
3: took Pat there cause she's, she's never been to it and she, was kind of in awe
2: <laughs> <laughs> she was very mad that she hadn't had access, access to, to it, it for emily in paris yeah. she was like i didn't know this type of yeah, operation she was, she was like now. next
3: time i'm gonna come here first and be <laughs> a cool and i was like you're more than welcome to so you know with that that's how you know when we did the first movie that that's part of what i did is that we you know, got together and went through the stuff and we brought pieces that we thought were going to be fun to play with and we brought them up for the second one. And now with the show, you know, coming up, we thought the same thing. We're like, let's go dig. Let's go bring some pieces up. And and it ended up, there were a lot of pieces that we used in the show. I was just getting ready to
2: say, we got to prep in Florida for two weeks before we came up. but You know, we asked the producers and explained why we wanted to go up and down US 1. And Danny drove a truck up, and we used so much of things from Florida yeah. and of Danny's, of course. Yeah. I was kind of stunned that I mean I knew what we were pulling in the play in but vintage we got stuff such, such a great,
3: such a great jump ahead of things that we were looking for and that we SA used loved and so, we much so much of it, you know and. You know, the great thing about Florida is you're always going to find color. You're always going to find beautiful lights, silks and gauzes and, you know what I mean? The tropical type of, you know, fabrics and stuff like that. And there's just amazing things, you know, people get rid of. Because, and, don't, you know, yeah, and, and,
2: and not they only the color, here. you know, New Yorkers retire here. Yeah. And they drag their fur coats and yeah. they, you know, and Then the kids have to come down here when the parents pass away or, you know, whatever. And it ends up down here. Mm -hmm. And it's just really fascinating. And I hope a lot of listeners don't find our little secret honey holes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've poked around in in a lot of Miami vintage stores. I am like overwhelmed by like how much like Poochie and Courage is just like sitting there on the rack, Mugler. We oh, used yeah. to pull so much, so Mugler, much Mugler, Mugler for
2: here. Vanessa Williams on Ugly Betty from here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we get a suit for two hundred dollars yeah. of Mugler suit. Yeah,
3: amazing stuff. And not only the vintage, but we also did great with the outlet. You know, Sawgrass Mills was such a big deal for us. We went there and shot we and tore. tore it up.
2: We built you know the bar up
3: a couple times with that.
2: You know, what was great too the local people that you knew, like Natural rough with all his indigenous yes. ca- uh, caftans. Yes, caftans and there's did. so many South American stores here, yeah. of labels that Northerners don't know. And we would go in there and find a fierce sandal we've never seen. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of a lot of things to do down here. That's why they should film down
0: here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're calling them back. <laughs> maybe if there's a season two.
2: <laughs>
0: well, will there be a season two? Well,
2: how could we get the girls to Florida? <laughs> They're not retiring. That could be season five or something.
0: Maybe they go on vacation. Yeah. Or 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 maybe Samantha comes back and invites them down. <laughs> Just saying. i get stranded at
2: sea <laughs> with going, Samantha. We go on the, on the long only, boat. And only three come back again. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Better
0: <come> back. <laughs> Okay. So if people would like to learn a little bit more about your work and also your awesome Instagram lives that you've been doing, uh, where can they find you?
2: The Instagram account is andjustlikethatcostumes. Yeah. And we do Thursday, Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. And we go for about an hour,
3: 45 minutes and we have a
2: cocktail and we try and do our best to answer everyone's probing questions. And it's really fun for us. Like it's, it's just great. It's not a master class, or, you know, it's, a, little, it's just... a
3: recap of stuff. And then people can also, you know, ask us questions in between and we can answer back, which is so nice to have that back and forth with people, you know, that they can actually contact us and we can sort of talk been, about things.
2: We've been featuring a style mannequin behind us because we did this adorable little belt collection with streets ahead yeah. Because we're such belt nuts. Yeah. And so we're starting to feature those like right over our shoulder yeah. and, and you know, just try to mix it up.
3: That was so much fun to do. You know, we, we you know, for us, we're kind of belt nuts and accessories nuts, you know, so it was the perfect, com- you know, combination to find a, a, an American company that produces everything here in the United States. And um, it's a small company, family run. And we just did, had so much fun working with them and creating these belt designs that we love so much. And it was part of things that we loved and silhouettes and shapes of belts that we love so much. And we're happy to do that.
0: Yeah, that's so fun. And, and speaking of accessories, I would be remiss because I'm sure we would get messages from our listeners about it if I didn't ask about the hats in just like that. So many hats.
2: I think they should rename that show and just like hats. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Put because, a hat on it. <laughs> I want to say something to you. Yes.
2: As much as I called Michael Patrick King, a hat killer and the, <laughs> di- the DP, we got,
3: we got in the
2: end, a lot I'm of embarrassed that I called him that all the time, <laughs> but we got a lot of hats on and, Danny and I, listen. Nobody knows how gorgeous SJP is in a hat, she and she would put a skull cap on, and then a hat on, on top, top of that, and a sailor cap with the scarf under it, and it just finishes an outfit. And it's a little, not quirky, but it's just got a nice little personal. It's a little personal touch to it. We you couldn't know? resist. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: And, there were so many beautiful ones that we found and oh. also new ones because Molly found this amazing hat designer in Brooklyn. And Oh, he's um, got a
2: hat factory right there in Brooklyn. It was like having a cute yeah, custom milliner. We didn't have tall- to... call england yeah
3: it's called essential and his name is rodney and he makes these amazing hats and molly found them and we went on
2: instagram yeah
3: and we went over to his showroom and he was like sure what do you want and i can turn it around in two days and we were like what oh yeah we made an order of course (laughs) and it was you know that was the start of a you know it's just such a great
2: To have him him, at our fingertips, you know? And just
3: say, hey, we need a bowl hat. You know, he made this beautiful bowl hat for us in two days. The black bowl hat. You know, the the hat that Carrie wears, the asymmetrical boater that she wears to the restaurant, to meet SEMA. And in this
2: episode, there's a blue hat that um, Leroy, he's painting in this overall thing that Danny and I found. It's really cool. Upstate New York, um, they do embroidery on clothing. Super cool. Yeah. And he's in a Rodney hat, an essential hat while he's painting. He was uh, Shy Baldwin on Mrs. Maisel, and he's on our oh, show. right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we loved his fittings. Yeah. You two have been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: Loved it. I can't wait to watch episode nine later today. I can't wait to see episode 10 uh, later this week. Yeah. And, and just before we go, can we talk very briefly about in episode eight, the Versace dress.
3: Oh, that was a little bit, it was actually not supposed to be in that scene. It was actually something that was supposed to be in a earlier scene, but because it was August and Europe was shut down, everyone was on holiday. Everybody, you know, all the showrooms, you know, everybody in the fashion industry was on holiday for the most part and we couldn't get it in time. So, um,
2: She was supposed to use it as um, when she gets to the old apartment, when she spends the night there that night, that first night when she goes there after the comedy club, Carrie, she's supposed to pull it out of the closet and use it as her duvet to sleep under. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody was on vacation. And so they wrote it into the closet scene.
0: It's so good.
2: It's good. It's
0: super, super
2: heavy. But I don't consider that a heavy gown. Oh, no. It's so beautiful.
3: It's so light with all the ruffles and the tooling on it and stuff. It's such a beautiful thing. I mean, the layers on it. And SJ incredible. does not
0: ever want to see it on a hanger. Yeah. Oh, it has to be in a box. It has to be flat, yeah. for sure. That's why I posted yeah.
2: yesterday a picture of it on the floor. And I was like, here's couture on the floor. <laughs> it was good.
3: But what a perfect dress to wear when you want to have Jiffy pop in the windowsill, right?
0: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know you two have to run. I know you have another event right after this. And I just want to say thank you so much. This was an honor to meet you. We loved it. And we can't wait to see what's
1: next. So likewise. Danny, Molly, thank you so much for joining us and sharing how you have designed and shaped this latest incarnation of fashion's favorite show. April, I can't help but wonder if and when Danny will let us come visit this incredible warehouse he has in Miami.
0: I know. You should go over listeners to their Instagram, which is at and just like that. And you can, they've posted some of their Instagram live videos to their like permanent feed now. And so you can see some of these conversations that they're having. And they're oftentimes in the warehouse. You can see the whole collection behind them. And I had so much fun trying to pick out things in the background. Um, There's one video and I was like, oh, that is definitely a Jeffrey Bean behind them. And, and somebody asked about it later, and it was. So, yeah, I'm sure there is a entire, you know, fashion fantasy, fashion history, world of wonders in that warehouse just waiting to be, quote unquote, discovered by people like us.
1: <laughs> and speaking of discoveries, we would be remiss to not mention to our listeners who are diehard Sex and the City fans, that there is actually another podcast devoted to its fashion entirely. It was launched in February 2021 by Chelsea Fairless and Lauren Groney. It's their show. It's called Every Outfit on Sex and the City, and it's a fabulous Instagram as well. So this just might be the deep dive we didn't give you today. So go check them out if you want more. Okay, so that does it for us this week, Dress listeners. May you ponder if you are a Carrie, a Charlotte, or Miranda, or even a Samantha, style-wise, next time you get dressed.
0: Remember, we love hearing from you, so if you'd like to write to us, you can do so at dress at iheartmedia.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, where we post images accompanying each week's episodes. Thank you, as always, to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each week. More Dress coming your way on Thursday.
1: Dress the History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.